hello everyone and welcome to episode 23 of the Eye Sphere. I yes, think it's episode 23. 23. And it's our final one of the year 2022. Um, what a garbage year. It's been awful. <laughs> it's been <laughs> terrible. However, one of uh, the one good thing that's come out of it is obviously this podcast. It's uh yeah, that's, yes. yeah, that's there is there is silver linings. There is light at the end of the tunnel, um, but no, it's actually been really good fun. Um, so, what are we talking about today, Joy? Um, well, I figured we could talk about Christmas movies, seeing as how what we're doing to ourselves next week. I, I kind of want to talk about some of the fun tropes there, and oh. then um, I also started watching Andor this week after everyone kept yelling at me to watch Andor. <laughs> <laughs> So nice. I was I was watching that. So it's Christmas and or and whatever else we get distracted by. Excellent. Um, so okay, favorite Christmas movie of all time. Oh, um, I quite. I'm going to go with the classic. I really like It's a Wonderful Life. Um, okay. That was my mum's favorite when I was growing up, and it's still her favorite. And I, it's one of those ones that I a lot of people kind of miss the message of. Yep. Um, and I still really enjoy like the actual anti-capitalist message of it. It's very <laughs> on brand for this podcast. Um, nice. My second favourite Christmas movie is probably um, Miracle on 34th Street, I think. Cool. I think it's called the Santa one. Um, yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I'm... Uh... Sorry, I've pulled up a list of Christmas movies because I realise how few that I actually know. <laughs> how little you know. Uh, no, like it's it's just it's. I, I think I I struggle to say yeah I've got a favourite Christmas movie because I I'm not I wouldn't say I'm a particular fan. I know I know this is like I was so desperate to like find something good to. Um, like to talk about on the Christmas side because I I have feelings about Christmas that I feel after the year we've had let's not go into them, <laughs> um, but like there's been there's been a few uh, like funny kind of recent Christmas movies that I think have came out in the past couple of years. There was one like and it, all of them follow the same kind of like plot beats. It's like, it's like the ones that aren't yeah. Hallmark films, but like they have the same plot points of Hallmark films, if you get me. It's always the it's always the um city city person going back home and finding love with the the local yokel that they that they've like were at school with or whatever. There was one uh, there was one last year that was called Love Hard. Um, I, yeah, I saw that one, and it was it it was like a good level of like guff. It was kind of like semi. It it wasn't like a children's like Christmas movie. It was just like let's let's have a bit of fun. Um, and I think like the premise of that was that she's like a California marketing person, and she goes back home. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's been like she's no sorry, she's been catfished. That was the whole thing, wasn't it? She was catfished by like a guy, and. She ends like it's 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 terrible plot, but she gets mm-hmm. cat she gets catfished. She goes and visits this guy for Christmas, then gets catfished, then stays over at like the catfisher's house, and over the course of the film, like falls in love with him. It's like it's it's garbage um, in a in a good way, I suppose. It's garbage in a fun way. Yeah. Which um, is what I love about Christmas. If it's a decent Christmas movie, like if it's not like the sentimental, like actually has a message ones, I want it to be garbage, but in a good way. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, I'm looking, I'm trying to find the one that I, I really liked um, last year. So you can keep talking over me whilst I'm Googling stuff. But that's, I, that's I just want to point out that like... Metal Gear Mandy pointed out in the chat that a Muppet Christmas Carol should, is a favourite. Muppet yeah. Christmas Carol is up there for me. That's one of my fav- absolute yeah, favourites. Yeah, I would say so. Are you are you so, one of the, sorry, I'm gonna have to ask the question. Are you one of the people who think that Die Hard is like a Christmas film or are you like are you anti <laughs> the people like because I'm, I'm not, not anti like, anything. I think people uh, can enjoy it at Christmas. I've watched it at Christmas, but I, I to me it's not a Christmas movie. I, I feel um, I, I feel like the people who really argue that Die Hard's a Christmas film, uh, like I've become more annoying than the people who say that Die Hard isn't. It is like <laughs> Like, I mean, yeah, I get it. Just, like, you enjoy watching it at Christmas, that's fine. But, like, you know, just whatever. Yeah, um, which is fine. But, um, <laughs> the snowman's a belter, obviously. Yes. Uh, the snowman's good. I like the snowman. And um, are you... Oh, right, okay, here's a question. What's your, what's your opinion on Love Actually? Do you know, I really enjoyed Love Actually when I was a right. lot younger. And then I rewatched it again as an adult, and I was yeah. like... Yeah. You hate, I... it. you hate it you absolutely <laughs> hate it like you hate it i hate it yeah i it's it was it's it's got moments that are actually okay um, yeah i think it, some of the stories are all right but like um what's it <laughs> colin firth's story with the the wee the worker lady the, the maid that comes the maid. in and speak english yeah, and, yeah. oh god yeah they were funny, um, but I didn't like her. I didn't like the dad that was um, always putting her down and everything else. But um, mm. there, there was, I, you know, um, the oh, what's he called? Hugh Grant in that. Yes. Um, you, you might be too young to remember this, but the scandal it caused when Hugh Grant was um, the love interest was um, um, Colleen McCutcheon. Is that her name from EastEnders? People were freaking out because it was like, oh, but he's like the nice, tough, you know, the nice yeah. rich boy. And then there was just like the lassie from EastEnders. Yeah, and yeah. it caused people to like freak out. They're like, no, they're mismatched. It's like, it's a Christmas romance. Leave it alone. Every, yeah, everyone's yeah. mismatched in a Christmas romance. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Holly Mop's yeah. being distracted in the I'm, background. I'm, I'm sure I'm, everyone's enjoying it. <laughs> I'm quite a big fan of like silly Christmas like thrillers and like horrors that come out, like like there's a there's Krampus. Remember like the, mm-hmm. Kramp, the like the Krampus one. Um, but then there's there's one this year called Violent Night, which looks like quite a good laugh. It's like if Santa was also John Wick, mm-hmm. um, and like he actually has to like defend a family or something. And it it's got the guy from Stranger Things in it, um, Thingy Barber. Um, he plays the older guy, the adult oh, yeah, yeah. boy, mm-hmm. and uh, like I've not seen it or anything, but it's like that looks that looks good. Like it looks like something shit and fun that would be great. <laughs> like, you, you know what I mean? It's yeah, I, it does. Yeah. Um, and like, the, I've, sorry, go on. I was gonna say the one I watched last year, which it got panned by critics, but I think Tumblr would like it. It was single all the way, which was a queer. A holiday rom com, and it's um, oh, I might have watched that. Fake, actually. It's fake dating, so it's I don't want to go home single to my parents. Hey, best friend, will you pretend to date me so that I'm not yes. the single one? Yeah, I saw uh, that one as well, and it's great. It's great. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, but it was that it was you know, and then he sets up his dream business for it. It's wonderful. It's really good, and I got so annoyed that it got panned by critics. And I'm going, it is. 
the trashy TV that we have to put up with constantly and the stuff gets rave reviews. As soon as it's queer, yeah. it's, mm, it's, you know, it's mediocre. It's, like, it's all mediocre. It's fucking supposed to be mediocre. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Let I, the gays make bad television. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's, it's definitely one of... It, 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 was, it had like a Hallmark plot, and you just know if they'd swapped it for some white blonde lassie. Like, I know, it would have been Critics, critics would have been like, oh, it's the, it's the Christmas film of the year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fake dating joys there for it. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am a slot for fake dating. I'm a, <laughs> it's a very good trope. I like it. I love it. It is it's been my favourite since I was twelve years old and first first stumbled into fandom. It was like, oh they're pretending to date. Tell me more. <laughs> um so that was I was really happy last year with that. Um The, the Polar Express. Yeah. Uh, the Polar Express I thought was good for kids and then i watched it and it's actually quite scary so it probably is still good for kids i think it's when you're an adult you look at it and you go wow that's terrifying but as a child you're probably fine <laughs> really hope um, that never happens to me yeah <laughs> um, i hope i never get sucked into a vortex into the <laughs> the land of christmas that sounds awful <laughs> <laughs> and then of course you've got the home alones which are like eh. the originals i've not watched any of the new ones but i loved nah. the originals when i was a kid that was my my brother's hyper fixation when he was younger and um you could tell if he <laughs> had just my, preparing, my, preparing traps in the home yeah <laughs> you, i was gonna say if my my for context my brother only has the one working arm if he had two working arms we would have been macaulay culkin out of our house because that he, <laughs> that was his favorite he used to build little traps for things and you you know you never knew if you were going to step on a mouse trap or whatever but um <laughs> that was his jam as a kid and i was just like cool and i still like it i still think they hold up um, um it's weird that i'm now the same age as the mother that i don't like that <laughs> i don't like the passage of time um but yeah no i mean like I'm I'm not sure what I'm like. I'm mentally trying to prepare myself for a castle for Christmas, like again, because like I remember the first time I watched it, and I was like, "This is it, rough." It's like, it's rough, but do you know what? I've I've watched worse. Yeah. It, it, the ac- the accents are what gets me though. That's that's what's going to make me struggle with a castle for Christmas is the whole. Oh, it's a castle. It's not a I, fucking castle. It's a manor house. Second yeah. of all, <laughs> <laughs> I like there's there's so there's so many bits in that film like i think particularly when it comes to the like the pub scenes and like the locals it's all very like i don't know twee yeah it's very like shortbread tinny and that that to me is like uh, the thing that annoyed me though is that i know a place like that in uh inverness near inverness and my friend lives there and literally there's just a knitting club in the pub and I was like, you could not be any more of a fucking stereotype if you tried. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's like, well, it's fun. <laughs> so. But no, nah, I think, like, I, 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 don't, I don't tend to watch, like, I mean, me and Jessica sometimes, like, pull up, like, the really shitty, like, Hallmark ones of that year. Um, there, was mm. one, there was one that we watched, and I can't remember it, but it was, like, the, the, the woman in it was a professional, like, store christmas decorator like that was her thing um 
Like she she decorates stores for Christmas. She's she's not like a she's not like a visual merchandiser like all year round. Like her thing is just for Christmas. Just for Christmas. And and of course the guy didn't care about Christmas. And somehow they run into each other when he's at home and he's not got the decorations up and he's always let his like he's always let his family down by not being super into Christmas. Um, but the family this year are visiting him for Christmas. And it's like it's clearly like Hallmark have like rented a house that's for sale there is like nothing <laughs> there is like there is there is nothing, nothing on, yeah there is nothing in it there is ab- like it is absolutely like, there's there's nothing in it um and over the course of the film she gets to run wild and like decorate the house um and then they they go and do the whole choosing a christmas tree and shit like that and it's like this is crap but it's like it's I feel like Mothman's having flashbacks in the background because that's basically what's happening to us this year because we're hosting. <laughs> oh, nice. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Smile through the pain. Smile through the pain. It'll be good. No, it'll be good fun. I'm really looking forward to it. But it prompted me to paint my entire fucking house because I'm like, oh, oh I need to, you know, I destroyed the wall recently so I have to repaint that. And I'm like, oh, I might as well just do everything. So that that's I'm turned into my mother because that's what my mother used to do. If we were hosting Christmas, she would paint everything. She also painted our whole house, including the exterior for my wedding. So that was I, I'm realizing I'm becoming my mother, and I'm okay with that. Nice. Um, but yeah. Sometimes it, oh, it's, uh, Mothman's like, oh, it's fine. It's just immediate family. Yes, just eight people. <laughs> oh, good. Um, is that eight people plus you? And no, eight people including me plus two dogs, two okay. dogs and a baby plus Holly Mob. But yeah, right, it's okay. um, it'll be bad. fine. It'll be good. Yeah, no, that's that's decent. Um, me and Jessica are going to my mum and dad's uh, this year, uh, which is nice because I feel, I feel, to be honest, I think if anything, that's pulling together resources so we can actually all be heated in the one house. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's my mum was saying that she's like she's kind of like you know I might just go to your godmother's because <laughs> they've got um, the the gas. Um, the heater, the the fireplace, mm. and everything. You know? So it's just like ah, that seems fair. But we're entering yeah. like we're entering like huddled together for warmth levels of, of Christmas. Um, like I think today is particularly chilly in Scotland. Like it was snowing in Edinburgh uh, yesterday. I saw um, that. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it wasn't like super heavy snow, but it was like it was enough snow that you know it made your walk a little bit tougher, and it was a it was a pain in the ass. Um, but nah, like aside from that, it's just chilly now. It's like it's it's that kind of annoying cold though, where it's like it's not cold enough to like let's blast the heating like fuck. It's yeah, like, it's it's it, a very different cold from what I've grown used to over here because we yeah. we were um negative twenty three last week, twenty three Celsius. Um, negative twenty three Celsius. Yeah, that's chilly. Yeah. Um. But it's a dry cold, whereas the cold in Scotland so much it gets into your bones because it's so wet. It's a ah. damp cold, and it just it makes everything ache. Whereas here, you just you know the 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 your nose freezes when you breathe in. You know it's a slightly you can feel the air freezing yeah. in your lungs over here, but you're still able to be dry with it. Whereas in Scotland, you're just perpetually soaking wet. <laughs> so it's it like ah, it's a it's a different type of cold. Yeah, I mean, I'd say like the cold here can like change your posture. Because yes. like like you say, how it gets into your bones. It's like you end up like walking really like upright, but sometimes in a unnatural way. Um, so yeah, that's that's not very fun at the moment, and it means like because it because it teeters on the brink of being like it's 
it tends to be we think it was minus four in Falkirk today, which like you know compared to your minus twenty odd, um, not quite the same, but it's like you're not putting the heating on full blast because you're kind of okay with it, but at the same time it has. Only for houses insulated, you're okay. Yeah. We're actually at two degrees Celsius today. You're colder than me. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, something's going wrong. Global warming. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I'm still going to be. Is, you know, I, I was thinking about the Udi actually. I was going to wear the Udi but then I was like, nah. You know what? It's it's fine. It's fine. I'll turn the heat on. Yeah. All good. Um, wet cold sounds perfect. The dry shit's fucking up my asthma this year. Something awful. Yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah, it makes your breathing a lot harder when it's the dry cold. But um, as someone who's had both, the the wet cold fucks my joints. <laughs> like. Yeah. Oh, which one do I choose? Neither. I'm gonna go to Florida for the winter. <laughs> See, I, I would, I would be, and I would be interested to like try a dry cold because I feel like I'd, I prefer dry heat as well as, and I can survive dry heat way better yeah. than the tropical shit that we get. <laughs> we, get we, we do not, we do not get dry heat in Minnesota. We get um, humidity here, oh, like nothing humidity? else. Oh, yeah, we get humidity here. In the summer, and then the the winter's dry cold. Oh, man. Yeah, so it's the the worst of um, both. <laughs> you can't, can't fucking win. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> nah, let's uh, Yeah, I mean, like to be honest, I think the majority of people here are just like, I, 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 I'm I'm not a massive fan of like. I think like years in retail have like jaded me and jaded me really fucking quickly. And I was speaking to Jessica about this earlier, and it was like. It took like two or three years of me in retail to really like. I used to have great Christmases when I was growing up. I used to like really mm-hmm. enjoy Christmas with my family. The moment retail came into that, and I was working like Christmas Eve and Boxing Day and stuff, absolutely killed it. it made me jaded mm-hmm. as fuck because of how people behave over this time of year as well. Um, like people who are in shops and buying stuff, like just if you're ever doing Christmas shopping, just be kind to every retail staff member that you meet or food yeah. service person. Like it's it's one of those things that like I'm I'm work I'm I'm working hard to get back into that festive cheer, but like I do feel bad for everyone who has to It is, it's hard. It's hard. I mean I, I did um, food I did um, a lot of um, customer facing roles back when I was in Scotland and it that and Easter and the January sales were a fucking nightmare yeah and it was just everyone was on their worst behavior because everyone was grumpy and I'm going if you hate it that much why are you doing it like don't take it out on the people serving you your coffee either because they're you know just they're there for a job as well but that was yeah. um we used to do places that went really really big on like Christmas dinners and stuff like that so it yeah. was always like a flip a coin if you're going to be working that day yep um and that really killed a lot of it for me. And I'm going, yeah, it's it's actually quite a privileged thing to have Christmas spirit in the in the sense of you actually get to enjoy the season, which I really yeah. I I hate but, how commercialized it is. But, but that's, it's been that's, commercialized since before I was born. Yeah, <laughs> I mean to be honest, I think that's like seeing like me, me and Jess covering like I've been in, I've been in Edinburgh two days in a row. So I was I was there on Friday and I was there on Saturday. It's been like both barrels of a shotgun. Um, yeah, but we <laughs> we. we we went. We went. We were. We had. We were booked into like a a restaurant for dinner on the Friday, and we were thinking, it's like, do we go for a wander in the Christmas markets after the meal? And then the moment we finished the meal, we looked at the Christmas markets and went, no, hell no, that's it. It's it's awful. Um, and then Saturday was so busy in Edinburgh that um, in Princess Street there was no phone service. 
because like there was no signal but like it as in like you had you had your 4g or whatever uh-huh. on your phone but like you could not load anything on the internet whatsoever because there was just so many people um and it's a new one yeah that, not, that, like, it's, yeah. like it, it happens occasionally and it, to be honest it's only ever happened to me in like massive like you know when you're like if you've ever been to like a concert at like a, a stadium and you try and load oh, yeah. something on your phone afterwards, and it's like the concentration of people. Your phone just doesn't pick up. Uh, it used to anything. happen all the time at the FCCC, and yeah. it was you'd be trying to get a taxi or something, and your phone just would not work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was it was like that yesterday, and um, yeah, I just I like I don't I don't mind the the look of the Christmas markets, but I, I think you're right when it says there's there's a degree of privilege that comes from like being able to enjoy the season and go mm-hmm. to all the, the festive bits. I mean, I, like I, I tweeted earlier this month, it's like, do, do people actually like relax in December? Because I never find it relaxing until Christmas Day and then those like twilight like days between Christmas and New Year, you know? Um, I mean, there's a big, in, um, you know, the idea of the winter solstice, you know, December's not what you know I, I keep seeing it everywhere on instagram is all these people saying december is the time of month when you're supposed to be in your house not working just survive you know hibernating yeah. with the warmth and the light and everything else but we don't get to do that anymore and you know obviously that's the way things have changed we're no longer we don't live with the seasons the way we used to um but it's a very kind of even like the commercialism between when i was a child and what it is now seems a lot more rampant and also yeah. the the um the level of perfection expected from it as well like i yeah um i was talking to mothman because i was in bits the other night because of instagram they, they, instagram kept showing me people's dogs who passed away and i was just howling i couldn't stop myself crying mm. but in between that it was everybody's perfect christmas decor oh, fuck. you know and it was like the the most heinous mindfuck that it was just like here's a roller coaster of emotions happy sad and it was but even that i'm like how much of that is just how much are you just decorating your house for the gram and how much of it is you know the latest thing that you can get for your house i'm going well i'm going to be using the christmas tree that i've had for 10 years that i'm not buying (laughs) a new one um (laughs) and the only reason we have a different christmas tree is because our basement flooded that's it otherwise we'd still have all the, the stuff that we moved into this house with but um my parents have been using the same tree for how old am I? 36? 36. So my parents' tree is about 40 years old. Yeah. They've been using that same plastic tree and I'm going, they don't need a new one. But my mum keeps saying to me, she's like, maybe I should get a new tree. And I'm like, why? Your your one's perfect. The lights still work somehow. If it, if it still uh, works and it's still got all of its like leaves and it's yeah. not looking bare, just fucking... But she's, every yeah. time she goes into John Lewis's or, you know... New Christmas tree, buy a new Christmas tree. New Christmas tree, buy a new Christmas tree, buy this, buy that. And she's like, she, do you know what she does? She doesn't buy it for her, she buys it for me. My mother's mm. the, the crazy person that get, sends me glass baubles in the mail. Oh, fuck. <laughs> to From America. Scotland. Oh, fuck. And they survive because oh, she wow. uses she uses like an entire thing of like bubble wrap, and it's like the ornaments like this size, and the package <laughs> is this size. But um, that's how my mother gets into it. She 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 rationalizes it as well. I'm sending it to my my daughter, so that that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm not buying yeah. it for me; it's for somebody else. I'm like, you don't need to buy me any of it. See, one you know? one thing that I would say is kind of like maybe maybe grown and very marketed towards like that kind of perfect Christmas 
um, like Instagram, but um, it's now encouraged to have like multiple Christmas trees in in different rooms. Yeah. Like for like for me, and it will it will remain forever. It is one tree, like one one tree. Like I don't mind I don't mind the many ones that have like the kind of LEDs, like yeah, the the lamp like the lamps on the end, like the actual trees that are kind of lamps themselves. But like people are decorating two Christmas trees, sometimes three Christmas trees in different areas of their house, and it's like. I get it. I don't know how they have the space. Like, I barely have the space for the one that I have. And I'm like, yeah, it would be nice. But, you know, there's (laughs) other ways you can decorate the rest of your house for Christmas if you really want. It doesn't need to be a tree. Um, But, yeah, there's a lassie I follow on Instagram because she does really good IKEA hacks. And I'm all about a good Mm. IKEA hack. Um, She has a Christmas tree in her kitchen, her living room, her bathroom, her bedroom, and the children's room. Why? Why the bathroom? It's a little tiny one, okay. um, but it's it's like a living one that just sits in there, and she'll eventually plant it at the end of the Christmas season, I suppose. If your aim's good, you can just water it every occasion. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> nah, like I, I have, I have yeah. seen that. Like I. I quite like a kind of traditional like Christmas tree, like you know the ones that are like made to look green. Um, I can't, I can't get behind the super white ones. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, it's like why it reminds me of the ones that um, my mum and dad in the fifties growing up. It was when the the um, the aluminium or aluminium if you're American um, those Christmas trees became a thing because they were very space age and that was they thought oh, everyone's right, okay. Christmas trees would look. so it reminds me a little bit of those and my yeah. mum and dad had, the, had that original tree again for quite a long time until they got rid of it but it just it looks dated to me a wee bit yeah. I think it depends on how you decorate it as well but to me it always just reminds me of like the, the photos of like my granny with her like space age aluminium Christmas tree <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which is nothing wrong with that but in my mind i'm oh. just going it's, it's a real scottish granny thing in my head um but yeah. that's obviously just the association i have with it i'm sure some people make I, them look lovely but um, I, I did see yeah. I, I did see an in like a, a kind of game changer and i was like i was kind of thinking there's there's definitely some merit to doing this but i i saw someone who instead of like on like taking apart their christmas tree and putting out the loft the they like spent like three rolls of cling film. Cling oh yeah, film. I've seen like, that. And I, I think that's like gen- I don't think it would work for the tree that me and Jessica have, but like I do think it's kind of genius, and I wouldn't mind trying it like once, like just to just see, see if it, it survives. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like I'd probably have to like not decorate it, but like at that point, what's you know what's the point in even cling filming it? Um, yeah. Because like me and Jessica, we like we have special special bobbles that need like we have we have expendable bobbles and then we have like the special bobbles that we want to look yes, after. Yes, same, um, same. Which is my, I can't really I I couldn't cling film my tree or saran wrap if you're in the US. Um, I couldn't do that because my tree is entirely glitter and it would yeah. peel everything off. <laughs> so uh, my my tree is a hollow glitter tree, so it's got holograph holographic glitter on it, and I've had it for. Yeah. Seven years, eight years. Do you remember? <laughs> Mothman's sitting there like too long. Do you remember when we got the tree eight years ago? The Christmas tree. It was when we first moved in, so it's probably about nine, eight, eight years, yeah. Eight years. Um, right. And uh, we bought it actually because someone tried to break into the house. 
<laughs> with me inside of it. So the first thing I did was, you know, Mothman's like, what do you want to do? What do you want to be, ha- What? how can I make this happen? I was like, I want a Christmas tree because our <laughs> other Christmas tree got wrecked. So ah, that, was, okay. <laughs> that was what we did. We went and got a Christmas tree nice. and we got the glitteriest Christmas tree possible just to cheer me up. Um, <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> um, that was so a that, good the, recovery, Mothman. I like that. Save the day. <laughs> um, did you get the tree before or after the Christmas elf? We've had Legolas for a long time. Um, he was actually in Mothman's family before that. So we've had Legolas for... Legolas is probably about 20 years old at this point. He's as old as the films. Because <laughs> if you completely have no idea what this is, we have a, a life-size cut-out cardboard thing of um, Orlando Bloom as Legolas, and he gets dressed up every Christmas. We don't do Elf on the Shelf. We do Elf glaring at you from the corner. <laughs> um, so that's that's what we have. If we um, move to the UK, we're going to have to book him a flight on a plane so we don't have to fold him over. Um, <laughs> but that, <laughs> that's what we're... Uh, he gets his Santa hat and his... Um, his, his his lights on as well for the Christmas season. The weird thing is, but, I have a, I have a cardboard cutout of Aragorn in my, my family's <laughs> house. <laughs> I feel like this was just the thing. Um, and like one of the things that my my dad did for my Christmas one year was um, like because I did fencing when I was younger. Uh, one of the things that my my dad did like I I, w- I wanted to be able to like practice at home um, mm-hmm. as well as like go to the go to the um, like the club that I attended mm-hmm. um, and one of the ways that I could practice was what he did was he got really really thick um, like insulation and like floor underlay and he created like the body of uh, like uh, you know like a tar- basically a yeah. target like a target area um, so it was like you know like the full torso and, and, and legs and stuff and I could I could practice but like he made it into an Urukai, so it had an Urukai's face on it. It had it had lurts from Bad as hell. Oh, it was, it was <laughs> fucking it was it was incredible. I'm gonna see if I'll I'll see if I can find a photo of it for you. Cause it was like it, it was a good it was like it was a good practice dummy um that my, my dad spent a good wee while uh, crafting. Um but yeah, it was uh, that we we used to decorate him for Christmas as well. That was the link to this conversation. Yes, um, like, do you know what? We need someone that has a gimli, and we're sorted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> from from the trio, actually. So from the trio, I've realised that that's actually something that I want to do over like the Christmas like downtime period. I'm gonna rewatch like the trilogy. Um, one thing that I haven't looked at yet, though, and I'm not sure if you've done it, Joy. Have you ever watched the Hobbit extended editions? And are they good? I have not watched the extended because I did not enjoy the, the, the yeah Hobbit I didn't enjoy films. the normal ones yeah the Hobbit um, wasn't good it wasn't as good it wasn't as good um, it it was fine but it wasn't as good um, so I know I haven't and I didn't yeah. enjoy the other ones probably not uh, but I will heard. watch the I will watch the extended original trilogy I watch yeah. that at least twice a year yeah there's so like um, yeah there's got to be a like a film the yeah i feel like the original trilogy will be like timeless like the the music's amazing all of the acting's just fucking superb that like mm-hmm. the, the hobbit was just so so green screen <laughs> it was it was very very green screen which i think took away from it and yeah. and also just kind of 
I don't know. It just it fell flat in numerous places for me, which I never had happen. You know, I, I can perfectly rewatch. You know, the the Fellowship of the Ring and everything, and I, I can mm. be fine. I will watch the whole thing and still be fully invested in it. If I put the Hobbit on, it's background noise. Yeah, and I don't quite know why. It just it doesn't have the same feel to it. Um, green screen could be a part of it. Um, obviously, there's some things that they they can't do this, in reality but like yeah just compared to the stuff like the the original trilogy there was so much like attention to detail in the real world yep. um yeah which is it's, actually yeah. a really really good link to andor it is yes um, yeah because I, I suppose there will be some minor spoilers for Andor in this section, um, including for yourself, if you've not seen the yes. last couple of episodes. Uh, you have what, four episodes left, you said? I've got four episodes left, and I watched the last 30 minutes of the last one and almost started crying. So that was right? fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just absolutely bawling just before this stream but yeah good it, I, it's fine because i won't remember it so when i go back and watch i'll just cry all over again Excellent. um but yeah but like so what, what's been what's been your take on and or having like did, so was it this week you started watching it last night oh um, <laughs> yes last night so you're coming to me fresh with this new fixation i for anyone's not aware star wars was my first fandom uh i fell into it um head first at the age of 12 and never fully came out. I just don't really engage with the fandom on Tumblr because it's toxic. Uh, <laughs> You're not a Raylo stan? What the fuck is that? I do, I don't, we're not even going to get into that. Yep. But um, th- there was <laughs> a lot about Andor to recommend it. Um, and it's been pissing me off because the TV stuff has been so much better than the, the films have been. Right? So much better. Right? And you know why? <laughs> It's because they've got writers who are forced to storyboard because you can't fucking wing 12 episodes. You can, yeah. I mean, you can, but it won't work. But the difference in production and writing and coherency is staggering. Um, so as someone who's been really, dis- you know, someone who's been diehard Star Wars since they were a kid, uh, the new movies were soul-destroying for me. I will never rewatch them. I would, um, I would argue that, Andor is probably the best post Disney Star Wars thing out there. Yeah. Um, that's probably a bold statement, maybe. But I mean, to me, so far, I, I, I would I would say it's breathed way more life into like Star Wars again. Um, I think it achieves quite a lot that some of the disney content dances around but i feel like i actually think it beats the mandalorian um as well um I, it, and I didn't it, mind hits the mandalorian. it hits different beats for me so the yeah. mandalorian is the the post build up from the star wars that we know it's a different galaxy it's, it's yeah. more leaning towards a sort of almost like family comedy almost in places yeah I would um so. whereas andor is a lot more this is Grim. the build-up to war. Yeah. <laughs> this is the build-up to the original trilogy. This is, you know, the, the grim reality of what causes these things to happen. And it's, you know, the char- it's characters that you kind of know from the original trilogy. And if, if the only decent... You know, it's got the cast from the... You know, it's the lead-up to Rogue One. Yeah. And I would argue that Rogue One is the only good Disney Star Wars movie. Yes, I would agree. Um... I I do it's it's so it causes me pain because I was such a major major Star Wars fangirl, 
And I have never, I didn't even see uh, the the last one, the, ri- the, the rise of the rise of Skywalker. Yeah. I did. I didn't even go see it. Yeah, I was just so despondent with the first two. I was like, you should, you should watch I, it I'm just not- to inflict pain on yourself. Because like I, no. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, dra- I dragged myself to watch the rise of Skywalker. And I don't. I'm not sure if I saw it in the the. In the, I was about to say the theater, but um, the theater. I, I'm not sure if I went to see see it in the cinema i'm trying to remember but like it was it was just not good like the the whole i mean the wasted potential of it is the thing that annoys me the most yeah i i remember coming out of the first one whatever that was the the force whatever it was a force awakens or was that the game or was that the name of the thing i can't know the force awakens was the first one of the new trilogy that, it shows you how little I care that I've kind of blanked on the names because I yeah. could tell you all of the expanded universe books in order at one point. So that that's <laughs> the level of fangirl I was. Yeah. Um, and I watched that and I sat there in the cinema and I, I went in like Mothman was fully just like, this is going to be garbage, it's Disney. And I was like, no, no, it could be good because they've got like a Disney budget. And I just sat there and I just deflated. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we drove home in silence. It was like so (laughs) bad that I just, I was just sitting in the car, just like, don't talk to me. I don't want to talk about (laughs) it. Like it was so bad. And I remember coming on Tumblr and I tried to complain about it. And some people were like, no, no, but it's perfect. And I'm like, did we watch the same thing? Yeah. Like, no shade to anyone in the chat if you enjoyed it. Like, absolutely no shade if you enjoyed it. But to me, it was just so lackluster compared to the experiences I'd had before with Star Wars. Because Star Wars is silly fun. It's silly yeah. fun that has good poignant moments. And it felt very... Um, it fell short and it just got worse from there because yeah. they wouldn't let the, you know, they, they never, they didn't keep the same writers. They didn't have any storyboarding mapped out. If you're planning a fucking trilogy, which they were you before you do. start filming the first one, you plan the fucking trilogy yeah. and you make sure they're coherent. But that's like, just basic and, storytelling 101. And to be fair, as someone who's like, I'm definitely on the last Jedi wasn't a good like film like yeah. side but not for the not, not for the space racists that no. like really really hated the fact that um you know like there was there was so much shit directed at like yeah. that film just in general but like i, I feel, I feel like, genuinely like, so bad i you know i felt um, terrible for finn's fucking john boyega yeah, yeah john he, boyega's character was butchered yeah. yeah, and he did, and it was because they, they, the thing that bugged the show of me was they did the same with um, Rose's character. It was they yeah. bowed to the racists and they rewrote things. Yep. And I'm like, you fuck sticks. Stand behind the people that you've hired. Stand behind your actors. You're Disney. You can fucking do that. And and also, you you can't create like a cohesive trilogy based on fan reaction each time you no. release a film. Because it, no. it does, it leads to that. And it's like, you know, people end up getting binned and rewritten and, and all the rest of it. I didn't understand, right? And like, you know, I to, to some extent, I can see why they decided single Jedi, like, protagonist. They wanted Rey to take front and centre on the Jedi aspect yes. of that. Why couldn't they have just made John Boyega a Jedi as well? Like, it... He'd, I feel like 
by not making him a Jedi who was like force sensitive, like I feel like that would have been a perfect dynamic because you could have had like one being lured by the dark side, and you could have had a bit of a thing there. But like John Boyega's character was like just relegated to being like quippy, sidekick. quippy sidekick. Which, so yeah. I have a whole. I actually have on my AO3. I have it's called Let the Wookie Win, and it was a small throwaway comment. It was a throwaway <laughs> ficla that I did, and at the, in the notes at the end, I have a fucking essay <laughs> 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 about how Finn, not um, Poe, is the Han Solo stand-in for our generation, because mm-hmm. Han Solo. For anyone who's unaware, I don't know if they've how much they've changed it because I never saw the Han Solo movie either because that looked garbage as well. But um, yeah. the in the original in the books in the original canons, Han Solo was an Imperial soldier who um, basically, you know, he, he was being told to um, whip slaves. He was being told to harm Chewbacca yeah. and a bunch of other people, and he turned on them and said, "No, fuck you! I'm not. Fu- these are these are not orders I'm willing to follow." He was willing to follow orders to get to fly. To get off of you know his his home planet Corellia, but when it came down to no, you got to put the boot in and oppress people. He said no, yeah, and he became a fugitive after that point, and he runs away from the Empire with a freed slave, ah, and they but, basically live together. But, and I'm like, do you, yeah, and do you, it, <laughs> sorry, yeah. I was like, do you do you not know how Han Solo got his name? Do you, did you know? Was that a burning question that you really wanted to know, Joy? Tell me. So um, Han Solo, when he signs up for the Imperial uh, Flight Academy or the like, the military, um, he's he's asked uh, like he's asked where, where like where's he where's he from what's his surname and he goes like are you I think it's like are you are you with anyone and he goes no and it's like Han Solo <laughs> and just stamps his like. I think there's 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 two things about the Han Solo film that I fucking despise. One, I didn't want to know how Han Solo got the name Han Solo. And the second one, and I'm using this term correctly here for anyone who's watched my Republic Commando video, um, they made the Imperial March diegetic in the universe. Like, as in, they, they play the Imperial March over like a tannoy. In well, the they've Han- always done that. Have they? Yeah, in the original, um, in the original, uh, the radio plays from 1977, the Empire uses the Imperial March as propaganda. (laughs) Fuck your radio plays. No, that's, no, you're not getting that. Fuck that. They're canon. The the radio Ah, plays are considered canon. They're LucasArts canon. Um, But that's what they used to do. They used to do the Imperial March over the Tannoids at their recruiting centres. Because in the novelization as well, uh, you had Luke Skywalker was he was trying to sign up for the Imperial Academy and he was listening to the song. He's like he's he's heard the song oh, so many times man. that he's whistling it under his breath as the the you know the, the Imperial March. So I'm a, I'm sorry to break that to you. Oh no, that's um, it's okay. It's completely destroyed my fucking soul. Um, <laughs> that that makes me more depressed actually. But yeah, like the Han Solo film was. Meh. Um, I mean, the the fact that in the original, in the old expanded universe, Solo was just a Corellian name. There's literally, there are other, if you you read any of the old, I don't even know if they're considered canon anymore, but a lot of the old novels, you had other imperial families named Solo. Solos used to be like an actual, on Corellia, they had House Corellian, almost like Alderaan, but then it got corrupt, so it's almost like a ganglord name is Solo. 
Yeah, right. So, well, no, you're you're wrong. I'm afraid. Um, yeah, I might, I might, I might, I might not, I might not have my my, my radio <laughs> knowledge. But Han gets his last name solo from Drod Mundrin. Immediately after losing Kira, Han entered the area and tried to enlist in the Imperial Navy. When asked what his last name was, Han responded that he did not have a people and was alone. Due to this, he was assigned the name Solo by recruitment officer Drod Mundrin. That's some Game of Thrones bullshit where yep. they call him Jon Snow. What was the purpose <laughs> of that? Because he's, cause he's from a wintry land. <laughs> <It's just> terrible. <sighs> He's from fucking Star Wars Vegas. He's not from Winterland. He's from, <laughs> He's from Nevada. <laughs> but but I mean, I think it's it's interesting because like from the Han Solo film, you also have this like you have this specific bit at the end where you have um the the rebels like you have mm-hmm. rebel rebels like kind of you know that that beginning aspect like the idea is that there is kind of like funding for a cause here um and there's movement even if han solo isn't on board with the rebel rebels yet he's obviously not not a big fan of the empire and i'm wondering if you like I'm, i'm not saying that han solo directly fed into the the setting of andor but like i think you you take elements of like Disney Star Wars that are not the Jedi trilogies and not <laughs> surrounding Skywalker's and they kind of helped like feed in to what like Andor is because like one word I would describe Andor is like it's so well grounded um, <laughs> in comparison to like all the other Star Wars kind of media because like I feel like the, the Mandalorian can't get away from having like a cameo of Luke Skywalker. And like mm-hmm. you know, like Mark Mark Hamill appearing, and you know, like there's there's still obviously there's Grogu, the wee Yoda boy, and then like there's the there's like all the Force, and they, they cannot get away from from that. Whereas I feel like what um, what Andor does is it completely drops that because mm-hmm. it's it's almost quite nice to think that there's 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 a get like like the jedi stuff that we've been so used to like seeing for like all of the star wars content like yeah there's very few like i mean i I don't know what the actual population of the star wars universe is or any of the actual planets but like i imagine jedi are like i mean they probably seem like fucking like guardian angel type i mean there's to to come across one yeah, you know, like to, space wizards. But like to to um, actually come across one, it must be like a fucking one in a billion chance. I don't know. Like I don't know what the de- rate like Yeah. It depends I, on which canon you go with, because if you're going with current canon, then they're very, very rare because they've all hmm. just been wiped out essentially. Well, yeah. But um if you're going if you're going further and further back, there was different planets had different types of force sensitives and they weren't all Jedi. Like you had the Night Sisters where the Force Sensitive Witches Mm. Um, and you also had other planets that had their own kind of monk class yeah. almost and they weren't necessarily Jedi but then the Jedi kind of came along we're like oh no we're the one true way to do this yeah we're like we're the force sensitive yeah. folk yeah yeah I think yeah. like uh, yeah I mean like my I think what's really nice about Andor is how well grounded it is from a like 
looking at all of the episodes in the series, and I know you've still got like a couple left, but I feel like it does a lot more to make Star Wars feel like a universe that someone can exist in. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that we're seeing it from the perspective of like people who are going to work every day, like yeah. seeing like the the like the planet that they kind of start on. I, I'm not going to go into knowing all the planets' names. That's not what I watch Star Wars for. Um, I I know all of the planets from like Knights of the Old Republic. These the new stuff I can kind of like give or take, but like the mining planet that um you know they go and they pick their gloves off the rack every it's single day. Really and, working class. It's yeah, very it recognizable. Really it's very recognizable. Which, it's not you know here's your um your space wizard. It's very much oh when everyone and you know when everyone when the Skywalkers are all fucking up the rest of the universe, there's still <laughs> people there that have to go to the mines and stuff yeah. like that. It's like oh yeah that you know local family causing disaster like millions of light years away <laughs> meanwhile i still have to go down into this moon and shovel you know rock dust but like i you think know? i think that's what's quite nice about like you know you're seeing you're seeing it from like i think the empire actually comes across like i don't want to say it comes across well it obviously doesn't come across well but it's like really well written how the empire actually like goes about stuff because it's like it's like a kind of third party security firm at the start mm-hmm. um you know like the it's and then gradually as the series progresses you've got like the empire assuming direct control of the the policing of the planet and stuff like that so you know the security forces that were previously there kind of like feed into the background um and I find that quite good because you get like a really good glimpse into the, almost like the, bureau- like the bureaucratic nightmare yeah. that is the... It's a whole creep of fascism and it's yeah. done really well to show you how... Oh, it goes from one minute you have your local law enforcement, the next minute they're gone. Yeah. And you know <laughs> your local law enforcement could be corrupt as well, which we do see in this. Yeah. But it's not as bad as what comes after that if you don't do something about it. And it was really well done, I thought. Like, it was very kind of like a, you have the people that are kind of going, nah, you're exaggerating, nah, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah. Meanwhile, you've got other people going, I've seen this happen before, this is not good, you know, this is bad. And then it's just, it just all of a sudden, the reality of it hits. And yeah. they realise they're staring down, you know, this is about to be 20 years of fascism that's about to happen. <laughs> I think um, one of the one of the things that we get a really good glimpse of is like the kind of like just following orders kind of level yeah. of the empire. It's like you see all these kind of like bumpkin admin people for the empire that are like obviously enabling all of the shit that the empire do to like local populations and everything. But they're like they're like sitting at desks and they're like. <laughs> Noodles, yeah, <laughs> they're, yeah, they're they're kind of like they're kind of bumbling, and the guy's eating his yeah, he's eating his blue noodles, and it's like, oh yeah, can you get me date on this local population because I'm gonna go and fucking like search everyone, you know? And these these people are kind of like willingly doing it, and it look they're normal as well, you know, like they're normal people. Um, and it's your pal going to their job doing data research. Yeah. What do you do with the empire? Oh, you know, I just do data research. Um, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> you know? like, also, like the the levels of people that you see in the empire as well. Like you yeah. see, like you've got the the woman who's uh, who's like trying to climb the ranks of like the intelligence service, mm-hmm. um, and then you've got the 
<laughs> I think his name's Cyril or something like that. The guy who's like, he's like kind of young fascist. He looks like he's straight out of like the kind of far right Republican Party. He, <laughs> like uh, he threw me for a loop because he is Francis Poldark from the Poldark series. So I was staring oh. at the television set for ages, <laughs> right. just going, "Who the fuck? Are- I know you from somewhere." And he's the young. <laughs> Um, feckless cousin in the in the period drama Poldark, and I was just like, you don't look like you look almost like an android. You look like that. What's his he face? Does. From, um, the, the, the human or whatever it's called. Yes, um, doesn't look real, and that it's so a- surreal because it's very animated in in the Poldark. Yeah, right. I, I, he does. He like that's a really good way to describe it. He looks like an android. He's got that kind of like. Plastic got, face. Yeah, like a kind of chiseled plastic face. You're right. Um really sorry if the actor's watching. <laughs> um but the yeah, no, I think like his his character's really good because like yes. he's you can tell he's like he he's just he like he started a job and he's just gotten like really fucking into it. Like He wants to advance as far as he can within the job that he has, and then in yeah. doing so he enables a fascist takeover of the place where he was working. And yeah, you but can then see wants to, his, like, yeah. But wants to go even further because then his own ego at like a defeat gets in the way. Um yeah. to the point where it's like he's not really he's not really supporting the Empire as much as he is what his own it, advancement. His own yeah. advancement. And I think that also speaks to the um the the woman who's like trying to claim the ranks as well. Um I feel like she just wants to be really, really good at her job. Um, she wants recognition for being smart. Yeah. That's what she wants. She wants to be recognised as an equal, um, which I, I it, there's a really good talking point for how conservative women enable, you know, white supremacy. And all, you know, it's a really good, you know, especially if they continue on the route where they are, where the empire becomes male-dominated, because mm. that was a big thing in the, in the you know, the, the original trilogy is what the, 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 there was no it was women all, in it was positions guys, of power, it was yeah. all men. And you're going, well, that's basically how it works because you get the women in at a certain level, these conservative alt-right fascist women, and they uphold it. And then they're angry the whole time that they're also being oppressed. And you're going, well, yes, because you were enabling the system. Yeah. But you are, ha- you are happy to have what level of power you can get. Like There, there are women who will actively... You know, they will they will deep throat the boot if it means that they can put the boot on someone else. And yeah. she's a very good character for that. She just wants to be recognised as smart. She wants to be recognised as better than her peers. And she gets it, but it's bad because she's yeah. actually she's enabling the rise of the thing that will eventually get rid of her. You yeah. know. No, that's like it, yeah, exactly. And I'd I'd be interested. So it's it's a twenty four part series. I think this was like I'm not sure if they're I'm not sure if they're terming this as a half season or whether I think it is yeah yeah so like we've got another twelve episodes and like I'd be interested to see if if they would actually touch on that because and unless they're gonna kind of like try and retcon it and say that you know there was there was women around the table on the Death Star which they might do but it would be interesting to. We just like, get another released version of A New Hope and it's just women's CGI. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually just her. It's the one woman from the intelligence of she the just... guys. <laughs> she climbed that corporate ladder. <laughs> Nailed it. And but pulled like, it up behind her so no one else could follow her. 
Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I like about Andor as well is how I feel like we're getting to know the like the depth of the universe like we were previously seeing it at, from a very like galactic space battle like mm-hmm. side of it whereas like a uh, I've, I've quite liked the the mon mothma uh yes. like like I'll, i've really enjoyed learning the kind of like this is the senator's house this is like what the senators who still were trying to do the right thing but also were like the way she talks, oh yeah, the emperor. We, you know, I like I, I made a speech to the to the emperor and got booed. <laughs> um, you know that kind of thing. While also trying to, I actually really like that. Um, they've kind of tied her into like the funding of the early uh, yes. movement of the, the rebels. I I don't think I ever expected to see that. If you get me, like if you <laughs> when I watched the originals as a kid, I was like, I'm going to learn about yeah. her backstory one day. But it's been yeah. quite good. But she she's been fascinating, and she's always been a character that's been on. You know, in the original trilogy, she was oh the other woman in Star Wars who you see yeah. for thirty seconds, <laughs> yeah. and you know, and then the prequels were kind of like oh she's friends with um, Padme and Bail Organa, and like yeah. you know she's you know in she's a central part of Leia's upbringing. Yeah. Um, and then in this one, you actually see, well, how do you do that? How do you become one of the rebel leaders during the rise of fascism? You can't just, I mean, I suppose you could just step away from your life of privilege, but she's trying to hedge her bets and also maintain things whilst, you know, the whole, for everyone who's not seen it yet, she's been cut off from her family funds. She can't just move money around like she used to because she used to give money to her own private stuff. And if she's seen giving too much money to these things, it's all, oh, you're not supporting the empire. You're you're she, supporting yeah. these fringe movements. She needs to be really mm-hmm. careful about how she like launders the charity money and foundation yes. money and all that. Like because I think like there is a there is a banking world, isn't there? There's like there a, is, there's yeah. the, the the banking planet, and I it's think, where it's where she's from. It's from is uh, Chandra, I think it's called, yeah. and that, that's like the place where everyone goes to bank, I, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, it, you know, it's kind of like the financial hub of the universe. Yeah. And she makes she's got a childhood friend who's a banker, and she's able to use that connection to be like, because he starts mouthing off like, "Oh, I don't think you know." It's like this isn't for me, you and your politics. He's like, "I wouldn't agree with what you're doing anymore." And she takes him aside, and she's like. I don't agree with you either. Fucking help me. Like, just absolutely, yeah. just like, keep smiling, keep smiling. And it, it was a really good political intrigue, which we yeah. don't often get in Star Wars. Often Star Wars is very, um, you know, it, it does it well. The action-packed scenes are very, very well done. But often the actual politics is neglected. So the politics, yeah. a lot of the time, is this stark, you know, in the, in the very, prequel. very blunt. Yeah. You have the this is obviously evil versus I'm obviously the good character, and then yeah. but you actually have Mon Mothma who's trying to navigate through this political intrigue world, and she's very good at it. Yeah. The levels of subterfuge and like lying that she's capable of, you're like, oh yeah, that's how you become a rebel alliance leader. And you have to lie through your fucking teeth. I love how I, I love I love Stellan Skarsgård's character. I think mm-hmm. like that's such a good like. It's funny how um, he constantly pushes the line a little bit for Mon Mothma, which does cause her a bit of hassle. But mm-hmm. like he, like it's like, well, you agreed. Like this is this is the level of political kind of and and rebellious operation that we're gonna have to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like you know you've kind of signed it's, up for this it's almost like she's in denial that the violence needs to happen until it does yeah. she almost as if she thinks she's funding relief all the time and you know the people on the ground are going we need guns you know it's, yeah, we we're not going to get anywhere with, you know <laughs> we it's not enough to have med packs and food this is this is becoming a war and i don't think she sees that at first and then towards mm. the end of it she's like no this is war yeah. um and it's I'm, very very good it's it's a yeah it's good i'm 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 wondering right and like uh one one character that i'm desperate to know the kind of dynamics of a bit more and it's touched on a little bit in andor but like Sogarera is mm-hmm. like a really good character to talk about like they do address it a wee bit where it's like the rebellion is very fractured at the moment and you've got like rebellion like rebellion groups fighting each other um and the infighting, yeah. It's like all the infighting, infighting is is kind of it's I don't want to say it's good to see, but it's like it's quite interesting to let like to learn about because there's definitely um there's definitely parallels with the with the modern world um of how it has happened in the past. Mm-hmm. Um Well you yeah. have these buying forces who all want the things to be done their way because they've all got conflicting desires and needs, which is yeah. valid, but you know, you don't you, if unless you unify against literal fascism, you're not going to get anywhere. You're just spinning your wheels, and you know the you know the alt right is going to keep going. The space alt right, just so that we're clear, that you know they're keeping <laughs> yeah. it going. Oh yeah, well yeah, you, you know they're going to keep giving you reasons to fight each other rather than to fight you. And that is the parallels that we see in our own world. Is that kind of like oh yeah, well we're gonna um here's all the infighting in the queer community. Uh, queer is actually a slur, and or you know so and so is a predator, and you're like. Do you not realize this is all part of their plan so that they can just keep stripping away rights? We're too busy fighting each other to actually fight them. Yeah. And that really came across really well in Andor. It was the whole, you know, like, well, who are you to fight for us? And well, I'm, I fight for everybody. You know, it's that kind yeah. of, I'm, I'm here for the big show, not for the, the, the small the, Not things. for the petty squabbles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, like, um, Jason, have you seen the episode with the prison on it? I I think I started it and then I skipped ahead to the last episode. Oh, so I've right, seen right. bits of it. But you can talk I don't care if it's spoiled. I'm I'm one of the people that's quite happy to be spoiled. Uh, right, if you're okay. not, you can you just can leave. <laughs> but <laughs> no, it's, it's, I don't care if it's spoilers. There's there's brilliant like there's a brilliant episode that takes place all in the prison um that uh, Andor ends up in. And it's got mm-hmm. um it's got Andy Circus in it. Um, who's playing one of the like to give you the lowdown of how the prison operates? It's like it's got these work crews, um, and Andy Serkis's character is like a work crew leader, which is not a prison guard. He's a prisoner, but he's like mm-hmm. in charge of all of the the all of the crews that are working on like assembling stuff and it's it's basically slave labor um yeah. and and the idea is that there's prisoners and over the course of the episode you learn about how the prison operates um when they first get there the um like they like all of the floors are electrified so they can like mm. they can turn it on at any moment and basically f- like fry the prisoners D- not like they can do it in a harmful way but i think they can also do it to straight up kill them um yeah and you see evidence of that where like people who are like struggling mentally with being imprisoned the like they have um these kind of dormitories where there's like a 
a line right down the middle. Like there's a obviously the walking path right down the middle, which is electrified mm-hmm. at night so no one can like get up and walk around. Um and they all have their own little like pod bays where they go and sleep. And like some sometimes during the night someone just has had enough and decides to like step out and like it's it's quite a big thing and it does happen once or twice uh, in the episode. And um but they then probably stage like yeah, you can really, you can always get behind like a really good like prison break when it's like a yeah. when it's when it's like against against the empire as well. Like you can really fucking get behind it. Um, it's a like really really good episode. Um, but I think there's like a couple of things in it that really touches on just how like this is how the empire functions. So like what they mm-hmm. what they learn is that like people who are getting freed are actually just getting transferred to another prison um so like that's that's how it works so it's like people who sp- who finish their sentence don't actually mm-hmm. get released back into the the universe they instead get transferred to another imperial prison as a new prisoner and then they just continue working and that's how it worked and like you learn over the course of the episode that there was a guy who finished the sentence got left but got transferred back to the place that he was from and everyone in the prison then kind of learns that um the like that that's how it's working so everyone thinks that people have been getting freed the reality is mm-hmm. not the case um and that's what kind of switches andy circus's character from being collaborator adjacent to fuck we need to do a prison break and get out yeah. of here but um, it's, it's very it's the idea that if you do your time and you behave well you will get out and i think yeah. that's a you know a lot of people think that way about things like that but ultimately you're just put from one institution into another even in this world a lot of people end up they can't handle the outside world because they've been so institutionalized by yeah and you know, that's like yeah. And that's why reoffending rates are so high is because yeah. the only way that someone can actually operate is within that system because that's mm-hmm. all they know um but it's a it's a really good episode like I, I, i'm looking forward to hearing your kind of like your takes on it because it is it's, it's really the, the discord thing at three in the morning your time and you going what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> but it's, 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 it's really it's really well done and i think like i love how they spend a full episode on it because i just think mm-hmm. it's like it's so it's so nicely contained and i think that's one thing that the writers have done really well in andor so far has been like each episode is showing you like a slice of what like i mean there was a full episode spent where it was like the um the team um you know the team that went and uh, Mm -hmm. sabotaged the stuff and stole uh, stole the money they're like the first kind of heist that they did um you know like that was that was a full episode dedicated to that and it was very again it was very grounded like the the characters that were involved there they were all quite unique but they all also didn't really know each other and there was the conflict of like <laughs> oh we don't add another person to the team so late in the game uh that that sort of stuff um but there's like, always it, something there's always a dry that, that i like about it from a, a story aspect is that there's always a good driving force at the start and it gets resolved within that episode, so you don't have to you don't have to binge the whole se- series all at once to find out what happens to X Y Z character. Yeah. Um. And I really like that. I I like things that are though it's a little bit more like the the old Doctor Who's where everything was one and done in the yeah. episodes, and you didn't you know 
you could binge if you wanted to, but you don't need to because you're not left on a continual cliff cliffhanger, which is what a lot of modern television does now is that every episode is a cliffhanger. Well, that, um, that was, yeah. like, for me, that was always the biggest flaw of things like The Walking Dead, where, like, yeah. it was just constant cliffhangers, where, like, a monster of the week with a slight over... Like, there is a sweet spot between monster of the week or issue of the week and mm-hmm. an overarching plot, and I think the writers have kind of nailed it on that scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. One of the other things that I really like, and I'm, like, I think it's where I think Andor's better than the Obi-Wan series was that I feel like obviously the focus was on Obi-Wan and so we saw a lot of like Obi-Wan's like, character but I feel like mm-hmm. in Andor the perspective is always like ground level I know that sounds silly but like I feel like there's a lot of like there's a lot of real looking locations in it like yeah I'm, I'm, and I'm. I know that real is probably a bit of a stretch, but like you can imagine, like see on Coruscant, for example, there's an episode um, that has one of the guys from the security bureau. He goes up like a lift, and he goes into like the underbelly of Coruscant. He's down a couple of levels. He's mm-hmm. not in the the nice sunny top of Coruscant. He's like down in the kind of gritty bit, and it's like. I've I've walked that shitty uh, alleyway in Glasgow, uh-huh. you know, like I've I've you know what I mean. It's going it's going from the nice end of the West End in Glasgow to oh we're in the shit part now. That's yeah. the kind of you know it's the area when you suddenly realise you need to be holding your keys between your fingers. Um, so you go from these beautiful <laughs> yeah. old terrace houses to ah this is the rough part of town, and it but, was a very real transitional shift. Yeah, um, like even even on the first uh, like the first planet with all the different like alleyways and stuff, it's like those are tangible locations that you know like it feels lived in. Yeah, it feels lived in, and it, like I feel like we're. Even even if you think about like the prequel films, how many prequel films had like this very CGI'd kind of like opening like shot, very wide, very very like, fantastical, yeah. very fantastical, but to the point where it's like even when it gets into what the real sets were, like non green screen, you're kind of like this is still a little bit green screen. Whereas I feel it's, like it's too this, perfect. There's a lot of stuff yeah. that I always find was too perfect. Like even like there was a scene where they were walking through the streets of Naboo and I'm like, it's very, you can make the argument, well, yes, this is how Naboo is. It's always very kind of nice and well-groomed. And I'm like, even the nicest, most well-groomed parts of like, say London, you turn around and there's, you know, a bit of graffiti somewhere. There's signs of life somewhere. There's a trash can. There's, you know, there's stuff. Whereas it always felt a little bit too... Pristine. Pristine. And that, that was the thing that I loved about the original trilogy was that the millennium falcon was all big clunky buttons and you could imagine yeah. you know it was everything's falling apart and although you didn't get to see too much of the world because you know it, it, that was what it wasn't that so, it was a space western cowboy thing yeah um and a lot of it was done with painting and puppets and yeah. that made it feel more real while still being but, otherworldly whereas yeah. i feel like with cgi stuff you lose some of that sense of realness and the idea that you can relate to it so um, th- this is where I thought um, maybe this kind of like loops into the Lord of the Rings versus the Hobbit conversation we were having, right? In yeah. terms of realness. But I think in Andor, one thing, and we, we talked about it earlier with like the guy in the office eating the noodles, there, mm-hmm. is, there is a lot of like 
sense like sensory stuff throughout the entire like like series so like all of the 12 episodes like you know whether it was like they're always drinking something or they're eating something like i feel like the the guys at the the campsite when they were doing that heist they were like sharing that weird milk you have Mm -hmm. the the boy cyril who's like constantly eating cereal at his mum's house um Mm -hmm. Like I feel like there's there's lots of that, and there's also you get like a lot of close ups of like the buttons and like people searching the database, and you like I feel like it's very like in a way that sometimes yeah. the other Disney films and even the prequels didn't do. Like I feel like there's a lot more of like a physical interaction mm-hmm. with the world. It's, it's kind of like uh, the Office lately. It's kind of like that level of. Yeah, yeah. The, the interaction you're having with their work, the things that you know, literally at one point you're seeing a guy shoving blue noodles into his face. The yeah. next minute, you know, you're you're cutting to a woman who's slouched over her comms and she's got a drink with a straw in it. That could literally be your pal Debbie down the you know the next cubicle <laughs> over sitting with her iced coffee. Yeah. Um, whereas all the other ones, there was no kind of emphasis on food, or if it was, it was very kind of. The only one I can really think of is. Uh, in the prequels was Anakin floating that peach through the air to cut it and that wasn't <laughs> even really about food it was about showing off the CGI yeah uh, and showing off um, that he can use the force and yeah yeah <laughs> he pad me fuck me with this pear <laughs> I uh, can float a peach uh, yeah was that a peach or was that a pear I thought it was a pear but I don't yeah, remember. It was a piece the, of fruit. The, the thing is, though, if they'd actually focused on what it was, I probably would remember, but that wasn't <laughs> what the focus was on. The focus was on, look how powerful this person is. I don't um, like sand. <laughs> I don't like sand. Uh, it gets everywhere. Um, <laughs> but I, I, do, I do think that we are, like, like Andor's, like, we, you know, and you'll remember from The Last Jedi, like, Luke drinking the blue milk. Yes. Whereas I feel like in... In this, we've seen like you know blue noodles and stuff, and it's just seemed a lot more like when when people saw Luke drinking blue milk, we're like, that's not something. What that is not that's odd. And the, thing, the thing is, blue milk was in the originals as well. Yeah, you I know. have the the meal when he sits down with his aunt and uncle. He has blue bantha milk. It's yeah. just the fact that in the the last Jedi, it was done for shock value. He's literally just squirting it from the animal and drinking it, and yeah. it was played for almost laughs and to weird you out. Like, oh look, it's, Luke's gone yeah. crazy, old hermit. That's what it was yeah. played for. It wasn't played to make the world feel real. It was played for. Oh, sorry, it was green milk in the last Jedi. It was it green yeah, milk? Yeah. That's worse. <laughs> I don't know um, my milks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think like it's. there's definitely been something about having like all these locations that are like at least a good mix of cgi and real like real places because i think they filmed on location for a bunch of them like the the, the camp where they were training before they went on the heist that was like filmed on location like i don't i don't know where it was but like they they filmed it somewhere (laughs) Um, and it was outdoors so you got like you got the feel of it a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that whenever... I think subconsciously, I think the brain registers when a lot of things are done in front of a green screen. I think like mm-hmm. maybe people don't 
clock it at the time, but I think like there is that little bit of um, there's there's it's no the unca- it's the uncanny valley effect that even yeah. happens for like nature because you'll be watching something and you'll be like it's too perfect, it's too sh-, you know yeah. um. Who was it said in the comments? I'm reading here. It was um, many starts of night. Was my dad called it the apple aesthetic? It's too shiny. That's exactly where it is yeah. because you can look at something and go, yeah, that looks realistic, but your brain is going, it's not real though. Yeah, it, it's all CGI. It's not like the sun, the brain knows. I think, um, and it's that kind of. It's almost the difference between you're watching it and you're thinking, oh, this is a dream versus oh, this is a place I could actually be. Yeah. Um. Because that's kind of it. Almost feels dreamlike in a lot of places. Whereas Andor, I'm like, oh yeah, that looks like you know you could go walking up the camp season in Scotland and it would look like that. Yeah. You know. Nah. Um. So it's you, that kind of. What mm-hmm. did you think about the um the natives of the the place where the heist takes place? Um. You know the ones that hike and go on a yes. pilgrimage. Did you get? Highland clearance vibes. I did. I, I did. I, I had people that have been forced off their land and they go back up to the, the place where you know they used to gather and they got to watch the old world happen was yeah. what I saw. And they were described as being the naturists and the you know the, the spiritualists and the other people. And that's often it it was almost a very kind of almost stonehenge type yes. experience. Like yeah. Um, but I did, I definitely got Highland clearances. It was people who've been forced off the land and they're, they're getting to go there for this event. And they were able to reconnect with where they are from whilst the place is still being taken over. It's funny because I clocked it as well, but um, it was, it's David Heyman who plays the chief. Of, is it? Uh, yes. And he's from Glasgow. Um, he is, yeah. So, so I, I, I did, like, I, I knew that I'd, I'd, I recognised his face because I think he has done... Uh, he, he's. I think he's played a similar kind of role, or at least I recognised his face from something else. I don't know which exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. Uh, like the kind of parallel there, and I think there was also a wee bit of that when it came to where Cassian Andor's actually from. Um, yeah, like the the planet where like the Empire then went and fucking wrecked it. Well, it's a it's a very good. It's a very, you know, it's not necessarily just Scottish people, but it's a mm. very good, you know, focal point of how colonialism affects people. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting that the planet where they're on, when everything kicks off, there's a good mix of Glaswegian working class accents, Latina working class accent. It was very yeah. much, this is working class people that are yeah. being affected by this. This is working class people that are being forced out of their homes and being forced to work in these conditions. And it was a very good kind of, this is what colonisation does. And even for the, you know, the kind of, a lot of people when they think colonisation, they don't necessarily think of white faces other than being the oppressor. Whereas in yeah. Scotland, we have, we, we were colonised by fellow white people. You know, it, that yeah. that was the kind of, it, it played that very well with, you know, the different cultures that you were seeing was that colonisation looks the same, but the people who get colonised, the only difference is their ability to fight back. Yeah. Um, and that was very well done, I thought. Um, and it, it, it made this really kind of good, almost working class solidarity, whereas a lot of the previous stuff has been very, the people at the top managing things, the people in power, the people that have the fancy, you know, Crozantian accents, which is, the, the posh upper british accent yeah. the good the, the good people in power 
basically the people with power that are good, whereas this was actually people just going, no, fuck you, and causing a riot. Yeah, You know, that I mean, was really real to me. So Yeah, I mean, I think, like, it's interesting kind of going into, like, some people were kind of scratching their heads because a lot of people have been saying that uh, Disney have somehow managed to produce, like, anti-fascist propaganda, basically. Um, and there's, let's just say there's been some discourse about it. A lot there of people, has, I've seen it, yeah. A, lo- a lot of people going, like, eh, a wee bit sceptical about, like, Disney having a hand in producing something like Andor, because I think it's hard to see, and you've seen the last 30 minutes of the finale, um, mm-hmm. like, you've definitely seen, you know, that's quite a, it's quite a realistic like protest scene where it all kind of mm-hmm. kicks off, right? Um, I'm guessing you've seen the like the speech and then the aftermath yes. of that. Yeah. Yes. Um, what were your What were your thoughts on that? <laughs> I, that's when I started greeting. That was, that was absolutely <laughs> just like that's your that's your your ma going to like listen. <laughs> They're gonna try and shove you down the mine like they did your dad away and fight away and get <laughs> yeah. away from these people that are tr- basically gonna turn everyone into slaves. And it was a very good, well done scene. And it was very realistic in terms of how a lot of us do respond to things in today's, you know, narrative as well. It takes, sadly, it takes the death of someone to motivate yeah. people. The fact that this character was able to speak beyond the grave because of how she planned her death and everything mm-hmm. was, it was good. It was really, really well done. And you have this kind of, Mon Mothma's often, you know, the mother of the rebellion. That's what she was called in a lot of the canon, the mother of the rebellion. And then you actually have the mother in this scene of the main character giving a speech about rebelling and fighting back. To me, that the the parallel between the symbolic mother of the rebellion and the working class, you know, someone who lived in poverty, someone who couldn't afford to turn the heating on, which comes up fairly often. Mm. And then you have her inciting fight back, fight yeah. with violence. This, you know, we've we've done, we've been complacent too long. And to me that was fantastic. And it's, the the violence that happens after it is cathartic. It's, it's <laughs> cathartic. It's really well it's really well like choreographed. Like I thought mm-hmm. I thought it was like and I think to be honest, I think film is film in general is getting a lot better at it and like again slight tangent, but like see a uh, stuff like Outlaw King like the the Robert the Bur- uh, Robert the Bruce, I was, mm-hmm. say, I was about to say Robert the Burns there, um, <laughs> but like you know the Outlaw King and Robert uh, Robert the Bruce, yes. Like the and, and even some of like the World War One films that are like coming out at the moment, there's a lot more focus on just how like gritty and messy fighting actually is like mm-hmm. maybe maybe like you know 10 20 years ago a uh, it was a bit more like flashy and like they were they were showing off really slick fighting choreography mm-hmm. in like medieval battles but like in outlaw king it's a fucking muddy slippery mess and everyone's like stumbling over each other and like you know s- fucking ripping up helmets and stabbing people in the throat and even in like the world war one ones where like you have people who are exhausted fighting and they're like you know kind of half-heartedly trying to bayonet each other and and like i feel it's not quite that because obviously they still got to keep it kind of pg for star wars but like i thought showing the kind of chaos of the fighting there in a way that wasn't very star wars flashy it was like 
it was stormtroopers who were like on the ground really nervous they didn't know what to do they were like after the bomb goes off and like the ammo yeah. dump detonates like you can see the fascists kind of panicking a little bit you can see oh, yeah because they're like, expecting their shiny uniforms to intimidate people enough that they don't ha- they won't have to yeah. actually fight they're banking on the scary imagery of what they are to be like oh they'll just people will just bow down because we look intimidating and then yeah. you have a guy literally hauling off with the funeral brick and just fucking ramming it in uh, someone's <laughs> face. I'm like, yeah, nice. that, that is how the real fight would go. Yeah. Now, apparently I read somewhere that you know how the last thing she says before the guy like flips over the robot is fight the Empire? Yes. Apparently the writers really pushed for that to be an F-bomb. They were like they were desperate <laughs> for it to be like fuck the empire, and then all, I feel like if there was one point in time that Star Wars Disney gets to say fuck should, should have been allowed an <laughs> f bomb, it was that it would have been like I get I get fight the empire. I think that like yeah. it was just as good. You know, it gives it like it almost gives you that like emotional come on then fucking get yeah. stuck into them. But fuck the empire would have been like amazing. <laughs> It would have. Uh, it would have broke the, the fandom trilogy where... Because they don't say fucking Star Wars, they say Criff. Yeah, yeah. And that does not have the same impact. In her, no, no, you know, if, she stood there, if she stood there and went, Criff the Empire, way, a lot of people would have been... Mm. Way too close to Yif, so it cannot. It, yes, not it allowed. is. <laughs> but yeah, I think it would have been... Uh, it, it, it would have been amazing if they'd done that. But I think, like, see the fight, like, the fight after, uh, after it, you've got, like, You've got the kid, obviously, who's young, and his father's been like tortured and and battered. I'm I'm not I'm not sure if his father dies actually. I'm trying to remember. But, I like, don't the, remember either. The kids that chucks the bomb, he's clearly like designed it like well in advance. I wasn't sure if um, I wasn't sure if everyone else in the march knew that the kid had a bomb or not. Um, I was like I'm not sure if that was conveyed. Um, like, I don't I, think they did, yeah. I, I, I think it was this kid kind of wanting to fight back a wee bit more, um, mm-hmm. which in a way kind of prompted everyone because obviously you saw the, the 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 big lad who was hitting folk with the memorial brick. Um, he he was fantastic like, scene. Yeah, he, he was he was hauling <laughs> the wee kid back because obviously they want another bit that I loved was uh, the guy who who rings the rings the bell or like hammers mm-hmm. the anvil. I loved him Sparta kicking a stormtrooper off the tower. I thought that yes. was that was an amazing <laughs> just an amazing wee addition because like it cuts back to the guy who ordered the stormtrooper to go up there and you see <laughs> sees the boy yeah. falling from the tower. Um I, it's really the, the that the guy that gives the orders for a lot of things. You can see the people that give the orders realizing the reality of it. Like yeah. they've climbed the greasy pole and then the you can see on their faces when they're ordering people to their death and it hits them. Yeah. And you can see them having doubts about what they're doing. Um, yeah. Not enough doubts to necessarily leave what they're doing, but I did like at the end of the episode where the guy from the very, very first episode who's what kind of like the local police enforcement, yeah. when he realises what he's enabled through his own small petty... Is this the Scottish and, guy? The, the Scottish guy that Scottish was absolutely... The Scottish guy that was very pro... Pro law, pro like he was very much he separated from his fellow working class people because he's trying to climb the pole. I hate to um, see it, but I, I, I like every single Empire Scottish accent in the show, and there are a couple of them. There are. 
I just think unionist, man. I, like, I, it does. I, it does. There's, there's it just something the about it. There's mm-hmm. there is something about it, and I'm not afraid to say that. Um, it I, I, is that I, very kind of. Um, I don't think I don't think you can explain it to anyone who's not Scottish. Um, it's, it, it's it like, does have that it's, vibe. It's I think I think there, there's a very much a Scottish side to it, but then I think there's also the kind of like selling out people. Uh, to, yeah. And I, I don't know, I just I see that as a very unionist thing. Um, well, they are. They're siding with the, the, the literal the, empire, the empire. You know what it is. But you have that scene where he's quite with it. He's all for it. And then he actually, at the end of it, you cut to him and he's just fucking drinking in an alleyway. Yeah. Because yeah. he's realising what he's enabled is, you know, it goes from, oh, two of my men have died to what the fuck have I enabled by yeah. siding with these and, people. And it's interesting because you see you see that side of it, and then there's another Scottish character that gets knifed by yes. the woman, and he, he follows her, um, and he it's almost like he's trying to intimidate her, and she's like, "I'll intimidate you," and yes. stabs <laughs> her, stabs him in the chest because he has a Scottish accent as well, and I feel like it was it, it's another type of <laughs> like well, her, like her Scottish, the, the, there's a Scottish boyfriend at the start who turns. Yeah, all, yeah, yeah, and it's like ah, oh, yeah, Which that's was, the people that that side with these things that the people was, that are like, oh, if you, just, if you just follow the rules and do as you're told, everything will be fine. When that's not true, I was kind you of know? surprised at the amount of Scottish people and Scottish accents in it. To be honest, I was so was I yeah, like I I know that I mean I know that there hasn't been tons of American accents in a. Like really strong American accents throughout Star Wars. I mean, if you think about, you know, it's always been like Ian McDermott as Palpatine, and like mm-hmm. even even like Darth Vader's obviously James L. Jones. Uh, um, is is James L. Jones American? I don't know if he is. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, but like, I I just I feel like there's there's always been that. Is, is it like maybe- British imperialistic. But, but even before, beforehand, kind of, yeah. it, beforehand, it was very, like, eaten. Like, I mean, if you think of, like, the originals, it was always very, like, posh English, like, received pronunciation, like, imperial officer. And I feel like um, they've, <laughs> they've, they've now added women and they've, uh, <laughs> they've also now got... Um, some some Scottish accents in there. I've not heard Welsh. I've not had a Welsh Imperial officer yet. Um, no. Which, but I think that is, you don't hear a Northern Irish Imperial officer either. <laughs> no, um, I think for some accents, I think with like Northern Irish, Nor- can't say that, Northern Irish accents, they might have someone on the sensitivity team going, mm, maybe don't do that. Um, whereas with Scottish accents, I think they're like, oh, well, that's an old fight. That's over and done it's, with. You know, in, in, meanwhile, it's, Scotland's going, it's, mm, it's, no. I, it's, I, so I'm, I'm not sure if there's someone in the writing team that's like deliberately making that like commentary on like what the constitutional debate in the UK currently is. But like, I, I find it really easy to read into quite a lot of the stuff from like from Andor, from a, <laughs> from like a Scottish independence lens, and I know does, that that's yeah. I know that that's a lens that I'll just naturally view a lot of stuff through, and I'm not saying that mm-hmm. they're deliberately making it like that, but there's definitely elements of it that I can kind of go, hmm, 
Like, it, yeah, I can see it. It's it, to me, it's very, <laughs> it's a mix of good working class cultures that are fighting back against yeah. imperialism uh, at this point in time. The, and while Scotland was complicit in a lot of the imperialism, that oh, was yeah. because we'd been colonized for quite a while at that point. But like, but it's that kind I of. I also, I also see a lot yeah. of like Northern England in the mining town, just yes. naturally as well. Um, uh-huh. Like, I think that it's, it's very working class. I've said it before. Yeah. It's very working class, and it's nice to see because again, it's a you know, Carrie Fisher had this. Um, she was told she had to have this Eton type British accent. Yeah. And they all, had, apart from Luke Skywalker and Han Solo, they all had these very posh Bretonian Eton accents. And yeah. it's actually nice to see people that actually have a working class accent portraying working class realities. Because again, you could very easily be like, oh yeah, that would be my dad down the mines in space. You know, that's yeah. a very, it was a very real kind of relatable, oh, these people could be me type yeah. thing. Whereas I've never once looked at Carrie Fisher's character and went, yeah, I can be a space princess that does all these fantastical things. I could be the woman in the street that holds off and smacks somebody. Yeah. Um, but I, I couldn't be at the level of the upper echelon of yeah. that would be running the rebellion. But I could I very realistically be the woman in the market who's buying stuff and then who holds off and smacks somebody. You yeah. know, it's very, you know, it's very relatable in that sense. I, th- I think that's another thing that Andor does well, and you know, we don't need to go into it too much. But like, I think it does show the different, the different levels that people may just find themselves on, where they can contribute to like one overarching cause. Like mm-hmm. you can see, there is that there is almost like the the workers' riot in the town at the end. Now that's pro- like, and you can see that uh, Stellan Skarsgård's character who spectates a lot of it. That's not something he was envisioning. He sees it as like a high priority heist thing, whereas that's more like um, the the masses rising up, and that's not something mm-hmm. that he was anticipating. Um, which I find quite interesting because obviously he's. I mean that's that's kind of what he's wanting. He's wanting this big uprising, but I think that even he wasn't particularly prepared for it. He wasn't um, prepared for the reality of it. Because there's a difference between imagining the glorious revolution and what it actually is. Yeah. And it's a ve- it's a thing that in um, Terry Pratchett did it really well in um The Glorious the twenty fifth of May. Yeah. Um, he has his whole revolution there and it's, you know, people write glorious songs about it, it looks fantastical yeah. it sounds noble and then you get, get get right down to it, you're watching your friend get shot through the eye with an arrow yeah. you know, it's, you know, the stuff the, the glory comes after I, and it's, you know, it's written by the people that survived yeah. or it's written by the people who observed it from afar thinking, oh yes built, it was a noble cause like, but noble causes are often built on blood you know see, that's, it's interesting, that's what like you saw in that because i i i kind of read it a little bit differently i thought like Stellan skarsgård's character was like more than prepared for it but i think he was i feel like he was almost surprised at how soon it happened like i i think i can see that too yeah i i kind of read into like he was in it for a wee bit more of like the long haul um and he wasn't expecting an uprising like that to happen so quickly that he told like he wasn't prepared for it in that sense. He wasn't prepared mm-hmm. for how soon it like kicked off. I um, can see that too. Which, I think 
again, he is someone that's planning for the long term. I think yeah. he's thinking it's going to be a longer fight and people aren't as willing to fight. And then you literally just have people hauling off with a funeral brick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love that scene so much. It's just so... Can you imagine someone's carrying your... Basically, your tombstone. You are giving a speech from beyond the grave and the first thing someone does is take it's... your tombstone and just rams it down <laughs> someone's throat. Fantastic. It's, That's what just... I want. Yeah. Turn me into yeah. a brick and then just bog <laughs> me at somebody. Um, I mean, <laughs> when, I, actually, it was it was also nice that that was just a good bit of like world building in general, like and as part of like the culture of that planet, you become part of the, you know, you you become mm-hmm. part of the foundation of that society with like that kind of memorial brick. I kind of like that idea. It's nice, you know? yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought like it's. I'm I'm really interested to where it goes next because like I think you will like there's obviously going to be an immediate backlash from that. Um, <laughs> use my ash alter to bring a billionaire. <laughs> well, there's plenty to choose from. You'll have to pick your billionaire. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm like I'm excited to see where they take it because like what there's there's obviously going to be backlash from it. Like there's mm-hmm. the empire are going to get upset. Um, and I'm wondering what's like the next thing. Um, I'm really interested. I'm really, I've not been this invested in Star Wars stuff for a long time. Like I enjoyed Obi-Wan. I enjoyed the Mandalorian. I'm actively invested in where the storyline is going. And I promised myself I wouldn't do that after the, 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 you know, the, 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 the the sequels. Yeah, Yeah. Sequels. I mean, the um, writer, writers are talented, and they are like one of the things that I actually respect, like from them a lot more, is the the lack of plot armor they have given side characters. Because I think it yes. would have been really, really easy for them to have made a film about this and then have made plot armor for like characters. Whereas if you think about Basically, every single one except the other woman on the heist dies. Mm-hmm. Um, because the the guy that I writes, was gutted. The I guy, the guy who writes in the journal is the, the manifesto. Gutted. Yeah. <laughs> and just as soon as I, saw, I'm not going to say what happened, but as soon as I saw what happened, I had I paused. What we were watching, and I was yep. just like, "Oh, he's dead." Yep. And it drags it out longer. It gives you hope. And then it's just because yeah, he, d- he dies. He dies on the operating table, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. They get him to hope, and then he dies anyway. And it was just like I but, just got it. It was so good though because it makes a good job of making them feel tangible. And you're like, yeah, it's Star Wars. They're gonna make it. Yeah, but I, I think it also really like again. It probably comes back to being like a bit grounded. That like you know, this is a rebel fight. People are gonna die <laughs> for the cause. And like, it's funny how you see Cassian in like Rogue One. I reckon by the end of this series, you'll be rewatching Rogue One in a completely different light because you're like, I I can actually understand why Cassian was super pissed for like half of Rogue One. Yeah, because yeah. like this this random lassie turns up and just starts ordering him about, and he's like, yeah, I have seen so many people fucking die. <laughs> Um, it, yeah, I. It was funny because Mothman actually forgot that Cassian was in Rogue One. So I, yeah, we were talking about it. And he was like, "Oh, <laughs> like yeah, this is this doesn't end well for anybody." Um, yeah. But that that was the you know again, it's not just 
grim. It's not like Game of Thrones levels of death and grim yeah. violence. It's not gratuitous with it. It's yeah. poignant, but it's not gratuitous. The, the appeal is not the violence. The appeal is the story that's being told through them. And that's what makes... If it was more like Game of Thrones, I would not give a shit. Yeah. I am over no, no, no. anything that does this, the same level of, oh, we're going to do the violence like Game of Thrones. I'm over it. Yeah. Um, I was over it in the first season of Game of Thrones. Mm. Um, but it's just... it's so well done it's so well written and i'm genuinely excited to see where it goes and i'm going to be mad if they make it bad <laughs> yeah no i mean like <laughs> i will riot <laughs> it's, that was that was such like the the one thing i say that was such a solid 12 episodes that like w- one of the things that um andor's been like criticized for from maybe some of the more simple members of the fan base would maybe be (laughs) a bit mean but like people who think that there should be action every single episode and it's like you don't get you don't get a scene like the last half an hour of the finale without the three episodes of build up at the start where you understand the culture of the people that are Mm -hmm. in that town like you can't you know you can't like not have any like you can't it can't be action all the time so that gives me like the fact that they did the build up build up and the payoff in a 12 episode series mm-hmm. gives me faith that the next 12 episodes will be decent. yeah it's good storytelling just from it a is. fundamental story crafting aspect it's really well done and it's been well done to a degree that i don't think we've seen from a lot of the star wars stuff recently i mean yeah. a lot of the, the tv stuff's been good it's been good but the level of detail that's been put into this, I'm going, oh, these are people that are actually world building. Yeah. And it's not silly, fun world building. It's literally, how do we build up to a rebellion? How do we build yeah. up to so- showing how the, the you know the, the original trilogy happens? You should see the notepad I've got. I've got fuckloads of notes on how to start a rebellion. <laughs> I'm good to go now. I'm like, I, I mean, I do need a couple more. Hopefully they fill it in in the last couple of episodes. But... Um... I've I've been taking notes how to make space yeah uh, how to make space rebellions happen but it's yeah. really it it also fits the 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 tone and theme for Rogue One which yeah. I feel like some of the other stuff doesn't fit with the movies very well whereas you could see this True. very easily fitting um, I, so it's just good it's just nice I I feel like it, it captures it captures the uh, it's it's quite a natural follow on the grittiness of this series going into Rogue One matches the tone of the film. It's kind mm-hmm. of complementing pretty well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's probably not much more we can say uh, on Andor. Um, without huge spoilers. Without, yeah, yes. without like, I mean, I've already spoiled an episode or several. Um, but I think <laughs> like if if anyone was wavering on their commitment or like interest in Star Wars, like for me, I was probably at my, like my lowest point having watched like the Disney films. Um, the Mandalorian, um, f- it was fine, and I watched the Book of Boba Fett. Um, and I watched the Wee One. They're I mean, fun. What one thing that kind of annoyed me with the Book of Boba Fett was it was a little too light touch i mean people were like i did see people uh putting an andor and book of boba fett side by side but there was like the the multi-colored scooter bikes in the book of boba fett like and it was like these were like filmed within a year of each other (laughs) what Mm -hmm. i'm like what a massive like improvement on 
Um, well, it's also different stories they're trying to tell. That, yeah. It's a different, you know, it's the the war's already been won in Boba Fett. And it's yeah. that you couldn't get away with that when you're trying to build up to there's a war coming. It's, so it's a different, yeah. it's different, yeah. you know, they're, they're aiming for different things. But it's also, I feel like they were trying to get into the more fun aspects that they had with Baby Yoda. I think yeah. they were leaning heavily into like to get the kids involved with that yeah. one. Whereas but, this one feels a little bit more teening up. Uh, yeah, it does feel teening up. But at the same time, I mean, the nature of Star Wars, though, is that like there is like. Unless, unless they did purely intend for it to like this is team this is teening up now, like mm-hmm. this. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just glad there's no fucking porgs and Andor. Yeah, um, <laughs> I I remember like there was so like it's funny how you touched on like the Last Jedi being like a pure comic effect movie because I feel like yeah. it was so so hard trying to go like the Marvel route of like kind of laugh a minute or quip a minute. There's a bit at the start of The Last Jedi. Because it was written by people that don't know how to tell a story. They know how to do good segues, but you can't make an entire film out of a segue. (laughs) You actually have to have plot and dialogue. And I mean, the only thing I know about the, 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 the Rise of Skywalker is the line where you can see Oscar Isaac questioning every life choice he's made that brought him Star Wars. <laughs> Somehow, he was, Somehow. returned. <laughs> Somehow. And you can just see the pain on his face. Yeah. Like, I'm in Star Wars and it is this bad. Like, yeah. Um, so it, to me, the Andor, you know, the Boba Fett's fulfilling a different role from what Andor's trying to fulfill. I don't yeah, necessarily no, think true. it is just teens and up. I think it can be enjoyed by everyone, but it is definitely getting more into the um, the kind of how the the trilogy happened. Yeah. Um, no, so that's, that's fair. All righty. Well, I think uh, that will wrap up uh, the Ice Sphere 2022 um we're done for we are, the year we're, we're done for the year yeah we've got, we've got the castle for christmas to watch uh, yeah. next week in the discord um we'll have to figure out whose discord that is because we don't have an ice fear discord that's we can make one we could we could make one maybe uh do you think that'd be sensible that'll be yeah. sense yeah that'd be sensible rather than invading both your and mine chat for viewing parties we can just have we can what? just make we fun. can we can concentrate all of you in one area. Yeah, no, yeah. that's uh, that's fair. Um, so we'll do that, and that'll be next week. We could do it same time, or we could do it Saturday. We'll we'll work something yeah. out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll discuss it during the week, and then we'll let you know when yeah. we're going to inflict this on everybody. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, the good news for everyone who is uh, listening at the moment is that um, Joy's renewed her contract for the Ice Sphere 2023. <laughs> um, so we will be back. Um, but I don't know if will we call it a season two. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll see. We could. Uh, but, we can but, we just go really pretentious and call it season two of the Ice Sphere. God, um, we're gonna have to get writing over Christmas <laughs> to oh, make God. sure to make sure that there's no plot segues. Um, <laughs> As but if no, we well, do any planning for these, we literally <laughs> mess this with 
morning what are we talking about today and i was like yeah. i just finished i just started watching andor let's talk about that I, I'm, uh. I'm, gl- I'm glad you started watching andor this week that was that was good but yeah now like we will uh, you know that is something that we'll be uh doing in the new year um don't have after a, a wee de- break yes after a wee break um don't expect us to be back the first week of january um we might have a slightly <laughs> longer break than that um but we will we will definitely be back um, we'll be back um <laughs> we'll be back we promise uh so yeah um hope you've all enjoyed the like the past 23 episodes of just us what, talking shit yeah whatever <laughs> tangents yeah yeah tangents within tangents it's actually been really good fun uh it I, has I, I speak for for myself but i think i also speak for joy where we've had a really good laugh doing this and we really appreciate everyone who joins us in twat uh, in twat who joins in us in <laughs> who joins us in in, in Twitch chat and who joins us on the uh, the podcast um, side of things, as in when you listen in on Spotify or whatever it is. Um, it's been really good fun doing it. Um, it's been good fun kind of like planning it. And I think um, it makes, uh, I, I feel like it, it is a nice end to my week all the time. Is, um, is, yeah. and it means that i can then just like drift off into uh into sleep and then start an- another week of hell um <laughs> there's oh. there's there's um like i i really like the kind of like the the massive coverage of like topics we have i think that's yeah. something that's always quite it's, fun it's basically just us talking about whatever we feel like and it's the fact yeah. that everyone is here to humor us and they're actually enjoying it is really great as well because either if it, if it was if we weren't doing this we'd just be chatting to each other about these things yeah at, the, at fact the moment that people want to be involved is lovely i love the fact that at the moment in twat that's twitch chat <laughs> every everyone's just saying twat over and over yes. again i love it um but no i think it's it's good i love how we can do like deep dives on like individual films and individual shows mm-hmm. and then we can have kind of more um loosey-goosey uh discussions with tangents uh, as well as your kind of overarching uh, political shenanigan episodes um i can't i can't believe uh, the year of course the year that we started a podcast joy the queen dies like i know if, it's, <laughs> it's almost like we planned it i know not no we did not no we did not plan yeah, we, we did not we did not, no. we did not plan that was not us yeah we didn't like <laughs> um but yeah, I think for uh, we'll we'll be hanging about in chat for the next uh, ten minutes. Um, but for those of you who are listening on the podcast side of things, um, hope you have a fantastic uh, holiday season and a happy new year when it arrives. Happy new year! See you in a bit. Bye bye. <laughs>